Hey there, I'm Joey Dean, lead pastor of South Lakes Church in Oklahoma City. At South Lakes Church, we exist to be radically devoted to God, relentlessly committed to true community, and remarkably passionate for the lost. We hope your faith is strengthened and you grow closer to Jesus as you listen this morning. Now let's jump into this week's message. fill up as we were singing. You notice that? It's sort of like uh, the, the music portion is like the old church bells. It's inviting the people to come on, come on. It's time. It's time for church. It's time to show up. It's good to get to be with you today. My name is Preston Collins. I serve as executive director for Union Baptist Association. This church is a part of that along with uh, 74 other sister churches in basically Cleveland and McLean counties and we serve together and do some ministries together. Tonight we have a once a year event that we have, it's called an annual meeting. We do just a little bit of business and we worship the Lord and pray and ask God to speak to our hearts and guide us as we move forward in the next year. So at 6 p.m. tonight we'll be on the OU campus in the BCM building and you're invited. Everybody who's a member of a UBA church is invited to participate in this evening and uh, uh, we're, we've invited a special speaker to come and talk about uh, spiritual awakening and renewal and how we all need some of that and how God wants to bless in that. Well, it's good to get to be with you today and uh, our topic today that I was assigned was to talk about uh, this name of God, the fact that God is our shepherd. And this, uh, this concept of God being the shepherd, it comes out of uh, all of, all throughout the Bible, really. Um, God identified himself as Yahweh. He said, I am, whenever he was giving his name to Moses. But, but people have added descriptors, uh, observing God's actions, and, and that's how we've come up with these other names. God is our shepherd is evident, uh, beginning in the book of Genesis, really, is uh, the first record that we have of it, and it permeates throughout the Bible, recognizing God in this way. Now, the, the main concept of God being the shepherd is, first of all, leadership, and then the second thing is salvation. I know you and I, we just tend to think about, uh, he takes us to those green pastures, right? That's, that's our general understanding of, well, if he's my shepherd, then he gets me where there's food and water, and that's really nice. It's much bigger than that. It literally is leadership to accomplish wherever he wants us to go and for him to lead us and for the salvation that he provides for us and how he cares for us and protects us. Well, I wanted us to start off with reading uh, Psalm 23 because this is the one that's most familiar to us when we think about this concept of shepherd. Yes, we'll get to the John 10 passage in just a moment. But, but first of all, let's think about this Psalm 23. It literally is a, it, it's a metaphor uh, identifying the relationship of, uh, from a culture that says, I understand what it means to be a shepherd, and I have watched how God has worked with his people, and I see some things in God's actions that help me to clarify that as I think of him as behaving in some ways like a shepherd. Um, many people in many generations have experienced God as a shepherd in their lives. God can be counted on to protect and provide. He does that still today. We have a confidence and trust because of God's great actions of divine salvation. Literally, the shepherd in Psalm 23 is is not just talking about his own personal relationship with God, but he's, 
he's looking back. He's looking back on how God had behaved with the nation of Israel. And literally, he's pointing back to the Exodus when God brought them out of slavery in Egypt and brought them across the Jordan and brought them into eventually the promised land. So this, this is God's relationship with that nation and how he cared for them. Our relationship with God is based on more than our own limited experience. Our relationship with God needs to be based upon the full Bible record, all that is there. You, you'll find things, if you read God's Word, you'll find things in there about God and God's nature that, that maybe you haven't yet experienced as you walk with Him and as you live this life. But that doesn't make them less important and or less real. So what about this God? Well, in Psalm 23... One of the interesting things is in the first verse, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God dealing with a whole nation, the nation of Israel. And we see that as he deals with them as a nation. But this psalmist in Psalm 23 brings it down very personal, an intimate personal relationship. Not only has God led the nation, but now God is my personal shepherd. I have an individual relationship with the creator. Now, now that was a that, that was a revolutionary idea. You see, every culture had something they worshipped, but nobody had a personal relationship with the one they worshipped. Even, the, even if it was a fake idol, they didn't, have a, they didn't claim to have a personal relationship. And when you worshipped God, you worshipped the creator of the universe, his relationship was with the whole nation and moving big pieces around. But to say he is my individual personal shepherd. This is a picture looking forward to what Jesus would bring and show to us about God's nature and who he is. He gives us personal guidance in verse 2 of Psalm 23. And, and in verse 4, because he has cared for me in fearful places before, I know that he will care for me again when I come to fearful places. Not only has he cared for me individually in fearful times, but I can look in his word and I can see when he's cared for others when they were in difficulties, when they were in hard times, when they were in places that were difficult. God is like that. He shows us who he is and helps us to understand him better and to walk with him. And he mentioned specifically the, the rod and the staff. You know, the rod was uh, a weapon. This is what he used to defend the sheep. This is what he used to fight the enemy. This is what he used to, to, to uh, destroy predators that wanted to destroy sheep. And the staff is the crook that he uses to guide the sheep. So two things, comfort me, Lord. I know that you will provide protection, and I know that you will provide direction. Verses 5 and 6 talk about this blessing in the past. And because I've experienced those blessings in the past, I have expectations of similar blessings in the future. The great thing about God is he doesn't change. The way he was is the way he is is the way he will be. He continues. He is true to his nature. Past and future thanksgiving in an unending relationship with the Heavenly Father. Now, if that's all we had, that'd be a wonderful picture. But Jesus gave us more. You, you see, in the fullness of time, God put on skin and came and dwelt among us. And we look at him and we call him Jesus. And in John chapter 10, I want you to look with me in verse 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
The hired hand, since he's not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. It, Jesus came to help us better understand who the Father is in all of those teachings. And then, of course, he fulfilled that ultimately at the cross and the resurrection, helping us to see who God is. Here in this passage, he takes up this concept and he says, I'm the good shepherd. Another way to say this is, I'm the genuine shepherd. There's been a lot of hirelings who were trying to fill that role, who were pretending to fill that role. But when things got difficult, they weren't able to continue the two of the essentials here for the shepherd are leadership and salvation, as I mentioned earlier. This is the essential here. Jesus is going to bring leadership and he's going to bring salvation. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, all the way to death, I'll do it. That's what Jesus did for us. As we look on in this passage, beginning with verse 14, Jesus again reiterates. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now this is, Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm that good shepherd and I, I know my sheep. I know them well. I, I know them personally. This is a intimate relationship with him when we think about god as shepherd we should not think of him on the hillside with a staff and a bunch of sheep what we should think about is him with us in our car on the way to work in the morning he's there with us it's an intimate relationship where we have conversations with him where we're talking throughout the day where he's caring for us and this is a fellowship of love it's a relationship that grows out of the love of God. God initiated this in his redeeming love. I lay down my life. And then we respond to that with the love of Christ. And we get to enter into a personal, intimate, special relationship with the creator of the universe, with holy God. And he invites us to know him in a very personal way. In verse 16, he says, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. You know, Jesus literally is already including people from all over the globe whenever he is sharing this message with these people. You realize his audience there is uh, the Israelites, the Jewish people. And he's in Jerusalem. And, and like, like us... They tend to think of just their own. They tend to think of just us, of just our nation, of our people. After all, they had been known as the people of God, right? A select nation who had a relationship with God. He had given to them his word. He had, he had literally handed them ten commandments carved on stone. He had walked with them. He led them out of Exodus. He had brought them in. He had disciplined them as needed. They were God's people. And Jesus now says to them, you know, there's some other sheep, and I'm going to bring them too. I'm so thankful he said that because that's where he included uh, most of us. 
the Gentile nations of the world. You, you see, uh, that group of people who were listening to Jesus there that day, I don't think it entered into their mind that there were people way far away in Europe and Asia and some folks in Africa or folks on the continents of North America and South America. I don't think it entered into their minds that there were other people all over the world who needed to know God and who would have an opportunity to know God. But Jesus is including us right here in this passage. In Romans 10, 13, it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's reaching out to all of us if we'll listen and hear him. Verse 17, this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. The supreme expression of God's love for us is the cross and the resurrection. This is where God ultimately shows us his love. It, there's, there's no higher expression of love than to lay down your life for another. We recognize that even, even completely secular people who try to avoid having any knowledge of God, they still recognize that when someone dies on behalf of another, that's the ultimate expression of love and concern and blessing. Uh, Jesus did that. Yes, I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up. I have received this command from my Father. From the foundation of the world, God knew that there would be a day when Jesus would go to the cross. God always knew there would be a blood sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sin. And God always knew there would be a resurrection to new life. Just as God knew that he would speak to your heart one day and call you to be one of his own and call you into a personal intimate relationship with him. And he's do, done that or he's doing that now as he's speaking to your heart and he's blessing you. Well, in this passage, we skip on down as there's a little conversation here with some other folks and we get down to verse 27. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you get the, what he says here? First of all, hear, hear. I, I always ask myself, am I listening? Am I listening? Are you hearing God speak? Are you hearing the good shepherd? And then when I hear him, do I know him? We, we, tend to, uh, we tend to have the idea that to know something is you get it in your head. My 16-year-old grandson has to know something because it's going to be on a biology test. Will he know that five years from now? I doubt it. You know, he, he's trying to get some information in his head so he can put it down on a test at school tomorrow. And probably the next day he won't know half of it. <clears throat> Yeah, and, and we sometimes do that in our relationship with the Heavenly Father. We go to a Bible study, we sit in a worship time, we listen to somebody teach the Word, 
We may even take notes. We even write a few things down, some things that we think are important, and we write those down. And, and then we take those notes and we tuck them away somewhere, and one day we'll be cleaning out and we'll go, wow, look at this whole stack of Bible study notes that I have here. Uh, I guess I'll just throw those away. The important thing is did you get it into your heart? You see, in the Jewish understanding, in the Hebrew understanding of the word know, it wasn't just a head knowledge. It was an experience. And to experience it, you have to put it into practice. So if you're going to hear Jesus and you're going to know him, then you have to do what he said. You have to hear it and then practice it. Do you realize Sunday morning is a checkup time between us and the Lord? Do you realize that? It's a time for us to come back before the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'm listening. Speak to my heart. Let's look back over the last week. How did I do? Put your finger on those areas where I messed up. Draw me back close to you again. I I repent of those areas where I did the wrong. I ask you to forgive me for my sin, and then I ask you to guide me going forward. Help me to change the behaviors. Let me to change the attitudes. Help me to change my language. Help me to do things in the way that are pleasing to you. That's what it means to know. And that's why the word follow comes then. And we follow him by continuing to practice the things that he's taught us. And that builds throughout life. It builds throughout life, or it's supposed to. It's supposed to. Too often, we, we make a little headway, and then we, we wander back. And then we draw close again, and then we make a little headway in our spiritual growth, and then we slide back. Oh, that we would have a heart for God that says, from now on. I'm going to continue to follow you, Jesus. Yes, he says to us here in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I'm speaking to my sheep. Are you hearing from God? Is he opening his word? Is he making it real? Is he making application in your life? He knows his sheep. You have a relationship with him. Actions that you take with him. A prayer life. They follow me. Have you done the last thing God asks you to do? Are you being faithful to do what he's asked you to do? If you're not, you're not following. The only way to follow is to do what he wants you to do. Sometimes... Sometimes my wife and I are engaged in uh, home repair projects and and, uh, doing them together. And uh, she's a a wonderful wife and she's a creative person. And sometimes in the midst of uh, something, she will think she sees a better way to do it. Now, that's not always based on experience or anything else. It's just being creative, all right? And sometimes I have said, all right, we're going to do step one, step two, step three, and here's how we're going to do this based on knowledge and experience. And she gets to step, into step one, and she says, oh, step three looks a lot more fun. I think I'll jump to step three. Well, if you don't do step two, step three won't work. 
And so we're always having those discussions of let's keep it in order and do it the right way so that it comes out the way we intended at the end. Following Jesus means doing what he said to do and not being uh, creative about taking charge of your own life and saying, God, I, I think, I think this, this will be just as good. I mean, really, I, do I really need to read the Bible every day? Come on. I got a big dose of it on Sunday. That ought to be good for at least Monday and Tuesday, right? Lord, stop the creativity. Stop inventing your own way. Follow Jesus. Keep following Jesus. Verse 28. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. First of all, the gift of eternal life. I cannot, I cannot describe to you how valuable this gift of eternal life is. I, I don't have enough words to show you the value of eternal life. Jesus showed us when he laid his life down on that cross. Here's the value of your eternal life. It cost the sinless, perfect Son of God had to lay down his life to purchase you and I's eternal life. That may be too abstract for us to grasp, but it's the reality. Jesus died to give us this gift of eternal life. And then he gives us a further explanation of that. They will never perish. Never perish. Never perish. There, there, is, there is no way for a believer, one who has salvation, to lose that. And he goes on and identifies further. No one will snatch them out of my hand. <laughs> you realize who's saying this, right? This is literally, this is Jesus, the very Son of God. This is the one that the New Testament talks about. He was there in the beginning when all was created. This is the one who lays down his life and takes it up again. This is the one who has you held firmly in his hands. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 29, he says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So this picture of your eternal life, my eternal life, our relationship with him, when we have repented of our sin and we've made Jesus Lord of our life, now, that's a relationship that we enter into and we continue to live that out. And when we've made Jesus Lord of our life, that means we never tell God no on anything. He's Lord. We only say, yes, Lord. We never say, no, Lord. We always say, yes, Lord. In my own life, there have been times when God's asked me to do some things that were very hard and I didn't want to do those. But the answer is always, yes, Lord. You can't change that. We make him Lord of our life. And then it's like he takes us and puts us in his hands. And he holds us there as precious, 
special, wonderful, <clears throat> valuable. Jesus died for you to have that relationship with him. Jesus went to the cross so he could hold you in his hand like that. That's how precious you are to him. I know how precious newborn babies are. We've raised two daughters. We've got four grandkids. Oh, my, they are precious. Your soul, the one Jesus died to redeem, is even more precious to him than any baby you've ever held. And he holds you there. But this descriptive picture says, and then God comes along and puts his hands over the outside of even Jesus' hands. And this is Almighty God with all the power that exists. The one who spoke and put the stars in place. The stars that our scientists are still discovering new ones. God put them there in the creation. The, the intricacies that we're still learning about the things on this planet, God put them there in creation. That God has put his hands around over the hands of Jesus who's holding you and me preciously. Never perish. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. And then in verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. Jesus and God the Father act as one. There is no, there's no counteraction between them. Their action is always as one. Well, I hope that helps us to better understand what it means to recognize God as our shepherd. But that's not all. There's another passage I want us to look in. It's in John's Gospel, down in verse 20, chapter 21. John chapter 21. Let's break in there at about verse 15. Let me catch you up on the narrative of where we are. Jesus has been to the cross. The resurrection has occurred. He has appeared to his disciples. And then... Peter and some of the other disciples decided to go fishing. That's a good thing. This was not running away from God. This was a, this was a little recreational. This is a good thing. Something they enjoyed, they'd done all their lives. They go fishing. And they did their fishing at night. And in the morning, they're coming into the shore sun is coming up and they look on the shore in that early morning light and there's someone on the shore and he has a campfire going and as they draw closer john leans over to peter and says it's the lord oh my well they all get on shore they add some of their fish to what jesus was already cooking which is always interesting Jesus is always ahead of us. And then after the breakfast, look with me at verse 15. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. 
Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time. I think this is when the tears came to Peter's eyes. I think this is when he couldn't hold back those tears anymore. This is three times. You remember the three times while Jesus was being held and tried and mistreated and Peter's outside around the little campfire. A servant says, aren't you one of his followers? And he says, no, not me. And another says, aren't you one of his followers? Not me. And three times he denied knowing Jesus. And now three times Jesus is clearing it all up. The forgiveness is occurring. Repentance, of course, has already happened. But Jesus is letting him know. What about you and I? I know we don't really have a breakfast campfire here this morning, but we've come to meet with Jesus today. And he's saying to you and I, Preston, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? This is time for us to think back too. Think back on this week. Well, was there a time this week when I denied him? Was there a time this week when I had an opportunity, a stranger, a friend, family member, a coworker? Was there a time this week when I could have given a testimony for Jesus and I just let it slide? didn't do it was there a time this week when I when I could have blessed somebody with a little bit of the Word of God a little bit of knowledge of who Jesus is a, a little bit of God's blessing in their life and it's just too busy and I didn't oh this is our time too Peter was grieved as much as I love to have a celebration on Sunday morning, and I want us to always do that, there also ought to be a little grief, too, as we look back and say, Lord, I didn't do that as well as I know to do it. Lord, I let that opportunity slip by. Lord, help me to do that better in the future. Peter was grieved in verse 17 that he said, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Is that our statement this morning? Lord, you know everything. You know all my failures. You know all my mistakes. You know my sin. And yes, Lord, I do love you. I do love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. 
Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. This morning, it's not enough to gain some head knowledge of what it means to recognize God as the genuine and good shepherd. It has to penetrate our lives. We have to come to love the shepherd. So that's my question. Have you fallen in love with the shepherd today? Is Jesus your Lord? Have you turned away from trusting in yourself? Have you turned from your sinful ways and made Christ Lord of your life? Do you love the shepherd? Then he has instructions for us. He says, feed my sheep. But wait a minute, Lord, I thought you were the shepherd. That's exactly right. And now he calls us to begin to shepherd one another. Be the one who shepherds the others next to you. Be the one who shepherds those in your family. Remember, leadership and salvation. Show them the way to follow Jesus and tell them about his great and wonderful salvation. Let them know that. Feed my sheep. <clears throat> and ultimately, it comes down to one simple statement. If today you recognize that God is the ultimate good shepherd and you've made Jesus Lord of your life, then Jesus' specific instructions to you and I come right here at the end of verse 19. Jesus says, follow me. That's our instruction. No matter what happens, no matter what comes along in life, storms, enemies, surprises, difficulties, pain, abundance, hard times, easy times, no matter what, follow the shepherd. Let's pray together. Father, touch our hearts today. You are that good shepherd. You literally know everything. Father, you know our sin and our failure. You know how good we're doing at walking with you. Draw us close again today. Let this be, let this be a life-changing moment. When we turn from repent of our sin and our failures. And Father, when we reaffirm, you are Lord and no matter what else, I will follow you. And may you be glorified in these moments. I pray for all those who are here today who've never trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, that they would turn to you, receive you, repent of their sin and make Christ Lord in their life and begin to follow you. Let it happen, Lord. 
and let this be your church to draw people to you and to help one another as you walk together with the Lord. It's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about South Lakes Church, go to slchurch.life. Thank you.